0: Pope Francis seemed to have something for everyone over the summer. He gave liberals in the church the ability to bless same-sex civil unions. Then he comforted conservatives with a strong condemnation of surrogacy. So just how adept has the Pope become at balancing the interests of left and right in the church? Ed Condon is editor of the online journal The Pillar. Uh, First of all, Ed, what's been the reaction over the past month to the announcement on same-sex blessings?
1: The reaction has been pretty seismic and pretty seismically divided. Uh, You've had sections of the Catholic Church, most notably in Europe and parts of the United States and places where the welcome has been pretty loud and pretty vociferous in saying this is over to you. And then you've had other areas of the church, most notably in Africa, where not just national bishops' conferences, but the Pan-African Bishops' Conference, have pretty much issued documents rejecting its initial provisions wholesale and saying, not in our backyard, effectively. And there have been a lot of um, places that have been falling somewhere in the middle with bishops saying, you know, this is a very interesting pastoral document, we need to see how this is going to be implemented. But of course then you've had the Vatican itself weighing in repeatedly on this document which when they published it they said listen this is our last word on the matter we're not going to explain any further we're not going to give examples we're not you know we're not going to get into the business of trying to tell you exactly how to interpret and apply this you know this is out for the particular churches in the diocese to work with, and and they wrote back on that pretty quickly.
0: I saw LifeSite News, which is a flagship of the conservative wing of the Catholic Church, saying the Pope's decision, quote, contradicted the unchangeable Catholic teaching that the church cannot bless sinful relationships. Can we take a rather legalistic view of this uh, and say that the relationships are only sinful in the Catholic Church's eyes if they're sexual, and a priest might simply not inquire when he's giving a blessing as to the true nature of that relationship. So is this a sort of a legalistic document in that sense?
1: I don't know that I call it a legalistic document. It purports to be a declaration on teaching, on doctrine, not on canonical legal question. But I I think saying that it contradicts the perennial teaching of the church on the nature of of sinful sexual relationships is a mischaracterization of the original declaration. I mean, the thing itself said in its own text, quite plainly, it wasn't claiming to or setting out to change the church's teaching on human sexuality or to set up a contrary witness to the church's stand and even previous answers by the same department to say the church cannot bless sin and specifically cannot bless relationships that it holds to be intrinsically sinful it's said all of that in the text of the document itself now of course what people have reacted very strongly to is to say well it appears to authorize something which gives very much the impression that that's what you're doing, even if you say on paper you're not. That's where a great deal of the controversy has been over this. Mm. The document says it's not authorizing the blessing of same-sex unions or relationships per se, but offering a pastoral scope for priests to bless Catholics, individuals who are in such relationships and unions. And there have been arguments that say this is effectively distinction without difference. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, although given some of the ways this was immediately applied in the full glare of sort of newspaper cameras and reporters and things, when this was published, there had to be the suspicion it would be misapplied and misrepresented, and and indeed it has. What are some of the pretty severe strictures
0: on uh, these blessings that the Pope has permitted in this very qualified way?
1: These are non-liturgical blessings, they've made very clear from the beginning. That is to say, they aren't part of a a religious ceremony or practice, that these are supposed to be spontaneous, informal, pastoral in nature. They've come out now and said, well, these shouldn't take place in prominent sacred spaces, effectively. You shouldn't have people standing up at the front of a church or in the middle of an assembly. And when they say spontaneous, they mean exactly that. This isn't something that should be sought and sort of pre-arranged or have any of the sort of trappings or details or anything else that might give it the impression of being a sort of marriage ceremony or something like that. This is meant to be private pastoral gesture of blessing and support for individuals. But I mean, this is kind of the problem with this document's reception is, and also how the document originally presented itself, is it reads very much like Vatican was trying to eat its cake and have it too. Here, Um, it says, Well, we're not doing anything novel, but this is definitely a novelty. We're not changing anything, but look at this new thing we're presenting. And I find it very difficult, having read it closely several times now, to identify what exactly is supposed to be new about this because the kind of blessings that it outlines, the idea that a priest can offer a spontaneous blessing which isn't, you know, a sanctification blessing necessarily say, look at this good thing here, you know, we give it the sort of church's seal of approval, but a blessing of intercession, or as the Cardinal Fernandez, the principal signatory of this declaration has has subsequently said, even a blessing that says, please help this person to convert and fully conform their life and relationships to the church's teaching. Mm. Priests have been doing this for Catholics in situations like this for decades, certainly for the whole of my lifetime.
0: It struck me, Ed, reading an account of the first of these such blessings. And this was a blessing by Father James Martin, who's perhaps been the leading advocate for more inclusion of of LGBT people in American Catholicism. His first blessing simply said, "'May the Lord bless and keep you. "'May the Lord make his face to shine upon you "'and be gracious to you. "'And may the Lord turn his countenance to you "'and give you joy and peace.'" That, to me, sounds like the sort of blessing uh, that uh, a priest may
1: give anyone. Well, indeed. Father Martin's sort of first usage of the Declaration's description of a blessing is, I think, very interesting in that the actual wording of what he said would seem to me to be right in line with the sort of thing that the Vatican had in mind with this Declaration. But, of course, almost everything else he did in that (laughs) blessing would contradict what the Vatican said mm. you should or shouldn't do. In as much as you can't possibly claim it was a spontaneous moment when First of all, there were no less than three reporters from the New York Times writing the thing up, as well as having um, a newspaper photographer in attendance. And we have the two people who received this blessing say on the record to the newspaper, as I recall, saying, oh, no, Father Martin called us up and said, would you like to receive this blessing? (laughs) Far from being spontaneous, um, Father Martin seems to have gone out and sort of touted for trade.
0: Well, let's turn to another issue and a statement where the Pope was absolutely unambiguous No one was left wondering, and that was his recent statement on surrogacy, something that we've interrogated on this program, the ethics of it and the challenges of it for many years now. What did he say in his recent speech to Vatican diplomats about surrogacy?
1: Pope Francis said, as he has before, that surrogacy is a moral atrocity. I think it would be a fair characterization of the Pope's position to say he considers it a form of almost human trafficking. It's abhorrent at a moral and even sort of scientific anthropological level.
0: Yeah, I mean, the language that he used was this is a despicable practice, a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child. As you say, he has spoken against surrogacy in the past. Uh, He said that children deserve a natural mother and father, for example. But why such strong
1: language now? Francis can be strikingly blunt and use, at times, very strikingly strong language on moral issues like this. Often they just get overlooked, and they seem to fall, I think, between two stools of of coverage of the papacy very often, which is either the pope says something that sounds too Catholic, in which case it doesn't get as much attention as it might otherwise— Or it doesn't conform to a popular conception of Pope Francis as being a sort of great liberalizer and, you know, a departure point from, quote-unquote, traditional church teaching. So if the Pope says you can offer the same kind of blessings for same-sex couples that priests have always been able to offer, it gets global attention. But if the Pope says surrogacy is a moral atrocity and an abuse of women— It can often slip through the cracks and only gets noticed part of the time.
0: I'm not suggesting the Pope doesn't actually believe what he said about surrogacy, but I do wonder, though, about the timing, Ed. Is it possible that coming so soon after his potentially divisive decision on same-sex blessings, he was using this surrogacy statement to say to church conservatives, look, don't worry when it comes to those big questions of bioethics and life and procreation. Look, I'm as solid as a rock. Don't worry about me.
1: I don't know that I would necessarily buy into that entirely. I mean, Cardinal Fernandez, um, Pope Francis's sort of doctrinal chief, said something similar uh, as well over Christmas in the middle of all the furore. And the other reason I'd be cautious of reading too much into the timing of these things is when the declaration on same-sex persons and, and blessings and things came out, it came out on a, a Monday, and the Monday was immediately following the results of a Vatican financial trial in which a cardinal was sentenced to six years in prison for corruption, along with ten other people who had been charged alongside him with you know, a massive amount of fraud and corruption in the Vatican City amounting to hundreds of millions of euros in losses. When the document on blessings came out, quite a lot of people said this is, in fact, a distraction tactic from the financial mess the Vatican is in. Mm. You can get into a sort of Russian doll mentality where every announcement is meant to be a distraction from the previous one.
0: Well, we're journalists, said, we, we, we need to see wheels within wheels. Thanks for joining us again on the Religion and Ethics Report. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. And Ed Condon is with The Pillar